Good morning. Today is Thursday, February 4th, 2014. In our Parsha this week, when Yisro makes his constructive criticism to his son-in-law Moshe to delegate responsibility for adjudicating disputes and for Moshe not to try to do it all himself, Yisro sets in motion one of the most important components of Judaism. So let's review the passage. Moshe was sitting, adjudicating disputes among the Jewish people, and people were standing in line, waiting for him to have their turn from the morning till the evening. And Yisro sees this and he says, no, Moshe, this is not the way to go. You're going to burn yourself out. You're going to burn out the Jewish people. You have to delegate authority. And he says as follows, And now, Moshe, what you should do is you should appoint from among the people, people of valor and courage, who respect and fear God, Anche Emes, people of truth, Sone Betza, those who hate corruption, Vesamta Alehem, and you should appoint them as judges over a thousand, judges over a hundred, judges over fifty, judges over ten, and Vishoftu Asambukales, and then they will, everyone will have easy access to judges, to the court system. And every minor issue, those lower courts will be able to take care of. And if there's a major issue that the lower courts cannot decide, they'll bring it to you, Moshe, and you'll decide. And if you follow my instruction, and God will command you in exactly how to do this, you will be able to be a successful leader. This will also provide a gigantic measure of peace within the entire nation. This statement of Yisro establishes the Jewish court system a system of higher court and lower courts. In classical Jewish law, there is a Sanhedrin Agadol, the great Sanhedrin of 71 judges. The first one was led by Moshe. In every town and city, there was a Sanhedrin of 23 judges. They would be able, that court would be able to hear any kind of case, civil or criminal law. And then there was a Bezdin or Bet-Din, a, a judicial panel of three judges, many more, much more numerous uh, uh, Bate-Din, that's the plural for Bezdin, and they are authorized to handle issues that are monetary in nature, private disputes between two parties, personal status issues like marriage and divorce and conversion, and the entire structure of this upper and lower court system was active and intact for about 1400 years from the time of Yisro until just before the destruction of the second temple 
around the year 30 of the Common Era. And the Bezdin system, Bechdin panels, exist up to and including today. You see how central the Torah system of justice is that immediately after our Parsha, Yisro, which has the Aseris Adibros, the Ten Commandments, which are kind of like an outline of the entire Torah. The individual uh, ten of the Ten Commandments are no more important than any other, but they're like an outline of putting all of the Torah into ten categories. But the first subject that is then discussed in detail is next week's Parsha, the Parsha of Mishpatim. The Eileha Mishpatim Asher Tasim Lifneim. These are the, the judgments and the laws and the rules that you shall place before the Jewish people. You see how important this aspect of Judaism is that the judicial system is the first subject discussed after the overview. But notice in our Parsha, how comprehensively Yisro phrases the essence of this system, which is the qualifications for judges, because the entire judicial system, and this is true in any judicial system, flows from what are the qualifications required to adjudicate, to be a judge. And Yisro says, they must be anshei chayo, people of valor and courage, that means people who are willing to make decisions that may be unpopular, that may go against someone who is powerful, if that's where the law leads. And that requires a lot of courage. And that's the first requirement in order to be a judge. Yireh Hashem. They must be those who fear and revere and respect God. You know, there's a famous statement that was once made. Someone said, I don't have to be a triangle in order to teach geometry. I don't necessarily have to follow personally what I have an expertise in to be able to teach. That is not the case within Jewish law and within Jewish life. To be a judge, a person must behave according to the Torah in their own personal life with a sense of of reverence and awareness of God's presence, which means on a very practical level that God is aware of how I came to a decision and why I came to a decision, even if no other person knows. Anche emes, a judge must know Torah law. Justice may involve intuition and feeling, those may be elements or components at a certain point, but justice must always be based primarily on facts and law. And absolute expertise of law is an essential prerequisite. And still, with all that, there is still room for injustice. And that's what calls for the last criteria that Yisro mentions, sone botza, people who abhor corruption, 
Sone means a sone is an enemy. People who have a hatred of corruption and see it as an enemy. Because corruption can infect anyone. The most religious, the most expert, is just as likely to be affected by corruption as anybody else. In next week's Parsha, we have a famous verse, a famous Pasuk. V'shochad lo zikach, speaking about judges, but more generally about anybody who's making decisions. V'shochad lo zikach, do not accept a bribe. Ki ha-shochad ya'aver pikim, because when you accept a bribe, even if you are smart, you will be blinded. V'shalev divrei tzadikim, and even if you are righteous, your words will be corrupted. Hold on a second. What do you mean, even if you're righteous? A person who takes a bribe, how can you call them a tzaddik? How can you call them righteous? The answer is based on a statement made in the Gemara, in the Talmud. The Talmud says, what is the um, etymology of the word shochad, which is translated as a bribe? The Talmud says, it's a portmanteau. It's a contraction of two words. Shehu kechad. A person who accepts a bribe becomes one with the person who gave it to him, even if the person doesn't recognize it. In other words, it creates a lack of objectivity that is automatic. It could even be unconscious. But any lack of perfect objectivity, whether there is a financial incentive, where there is a relationship with a litigant, Anything that lacks of complete objectivity creates bias. And bias leads to butza, corruption. And here's the point. It is not preventable. Even if a person says, I recognize that I have a certain bias, but I am still going to adjudicate properly, it just means that they have been blinded and they don't see properly. The Aruch HaShulchan, one of our great modern legal scholars, says that this requirement applies not only to a judge in court, it applies to any one of us making decisions that affect others. Every single one of us is subject to influence, and we have to guard against that when we make decisions. This is the structure that Yisro outlines. And it remains at the core of Judaism up until and including today. And this could be one of the main reasons why this specific narrative is the introduction to the Aseris de Dibros, the Ten Commandments, because in fact, this is at the heart of what Judaism is even today, more than 3,000 500 years later. My friends, I want to wish you a great day and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.